Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Fantasy Romance and Romantic Fantasy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Mmm, what's good? It's uh, not sweet, but um, yeah. <sighs> Today is Monday, January 24th, 2022. 12422. I guess I missed 12222 uh, because I was gone. So, yes, I had a, a lovely mini break. It was a really good mini break. Went to Tucson and hung out. Um, first time I've been anywhere without David with me in a really long time. Uh, his brother came to visit, so I skipped town and they had fun being bachelors. <laughs> um, the house is a little bit, looks like it's been bachelor weekend. It's not, it's probably not. It's like older men had bachelor weekend. <sighs> but um, yeah, and I, you know, we didn't do tons. We hung out and had some nice meals out and got to sit in the sun. That was very nice. Did some shopping, got some cute things. And uh, yeah, it was really nice. It was, um, I was saying to David and mom, you're probably listening, but um, you know, in some ways I really like visiting more. I mean, I enjoy going for the holidays for Thanksgiving and Christmas and stuff, but it's nice to go visit when it's not a holiday. Um, it just feels more laid back, you know, like we're not, like we don't have a schedule, like we don't have to rush around and do things. So that, um, yeah, it was a good break. I flew, which took a long time because there's not a direct flight from either Santa Fe or Albuquerque to Tucson. Um, next time I might look into flying from Santa Fe to Phoenix and then Ubering from Phoenix to Tucson, because I suspect that's a lot faster turnaround. Um, otherwise I have to fly from like Santa Fe to Dallas, which is going back East and then uh, Dallas to Tucson. And then the airport is still 40 minutes from my folks house and the Phoenix airport is like an hour 20 hour 15 minutes from my folks house. So I think making up the flying time would be different, would be worth it. I know I've done it that way before. So, um, yeah, it was, it was just a good break. It was really nice to get out and I did not do writing while I was there. I started to poke at it, the book a little bit and um, yeah, that's funny because I was talking to Kelly Robson on messenger and she was like, this book has been hard for you. And I'm like, has it? <laughs> and so I, I feel like I've been saying this on every book lately. Maybe I say it on every book every time, but um, yeah, this book has just been writing slow. And I'm no, I just know I've been writing slow lately and I'm not sure why. I don't know if that's indicative of anything. Dorinda says she's been writing slow too. And we were, we were kind of trying to figure it out. We're just not writing at the same rate 
that we used to. And I don't know if it's pandemic exhaustion. I don't feel like it is, but um, I did a lot of releases last year. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe I need to figure on writing more slowly uh, with age. Who knows? Um, I finished my read of Cat's Eye. Well, I guess I should finish talking about so I thought I'd better check my word count. I should finish talking about gray magic while I'm here. I'm, I'm a little shy of 62,000 words. So it's not like I haven't been writing the book. Um, I have been making progress on it. I just feel like I have a lot of things to tie up. And that's always the case with book three of a trilogy. It's um, there are just a lot of things to bring together. It's kind of like cooking a really big meal for a bunch of people, you know, and uh, with lots of different dishes and you start making some of them a few days before, but some have to be reheated or some have to be brought up to room temperature and other things you have like can start them and you have them refrigerated, but then they have to be combined later and you figure out all of your different temperatures and timings and figure out, okay, if I cook this and I only have one oven, then I, cook this at 350 for 30 minutes then I can up it to 400 and some things like they should be at 350 but there's two other things that have to be at 400 and they all have to be in the oven at the same time so then you rejigger the timing and it all has to come out of the oven at exactly the same time uh, to be perfectly delightful and if you screw up one of those then it's just not as it's not a disaster but it's also not as wonderful. Um, yeah. So I think that's how it feels. I feel like I'm in that, you know, the last 40,000 words or so 45,000 words, um, is like the hour before the dinner party. And I haven't showered or changed clothes yet. <laughs> anyway, um, I finished my reread of cat's eye. Uh, which was fun because my stepsister Hope, hello Hope, uh, she picked me up at the airport in Tucson and we went out to lunch, had a lovely lunch on the patio and we got to um, discuss cat's eye. And so that was really fun. And we talked about our, our own growing ups and which things resonated for us. It was very interesting to hear um, because of course she, she and I became stepsisters as adults um, because our parents, for my mom, it's her third marriage for her dad. It's his second. Um, both were widowed. My mom was widowed twice. And so we became stepsisters when we were in our early forties. Um, so we had very different families growing up, childhoods, all that. And so it was interesting to hear what resonated for her in the story, which just reinforced so much that readers bring their own things to the books. And we know this. I mean, we, we know this in our heads, right? That readers always bring their own thing to the book, but it was really, um, yeah, just very interesting to hear what she brought to the book that was different than what I brought. And of course I've got my writer brain, so I'm always analyzing it on a different level. Um, and I'm going to finish the conversation, Hope, 
here, which I'm sorry we didn't get to finish it in real time, but feel free to respond uh, because I'd not quite finished the book uh, when we talked about it. I had like 60 pages to go. And so if you do not want to be spoiled on the end of Cat's Eye by Margaret Atwood, now's a good time to sign off. Um, I feel like I can guarantee I won't say anything much interesting after this. Uh, but you never know. <laughs> Definitely feel free to tap out. So at the ending of Cat's Eye, um, Hope had said that she thought that Elaine, the POV character, uh, gave Mrs. Smith, Grace Smith's mother, who was the subject of many of her paintings and had been pretty horrible to her as a child. Um, she felt like she gave her back some grace and forgiveness. And I agree. I, I think that's good insight, Hope. I think she did. I think she looked at those paintings that she had done somewhat unconsciously or subconsciously and saw in them, you know, interestingly, she saw it with a new lens. She saw it with the lens of being a woman who was almost 50 and that she understood now who that woman had been in a way that she did not understand when she was a child. And, and that's kind of a good metaphor um, for sort of the layers upon layers in this book. And one reason why I do think it's a brilliant book that she has these, um, the echoes of the, of the various experiences. And so you could see the ways in which, um, you know, like what she experienced as a child and then experiencing as an adult and telling these stories in a way, um, throughout the book, you know, like her, her young adulthood. And she talks about having an affair with a man who was 35 when she's like 18. And she, she, she does a deft job of, and this is not easy of weaving in, um, the adult perspective, the later perspective, um, while retaining the, in the moment perspective, it's not easy to do both. I'm going to sneeze. There, at least I didn't sneeze in your ear this time. Uh, I know people struggle with this in memoir a lot because you want to retain the immediacy of the experience as it occurred. But a memoir without that introspection, without that reflection of looking back on those events with, uh, I don't know, a wiser, more mature perspective, it tends to lack resonance. And I'm going to diverge a little bit here because I read uh, over Christmas, I guess, listened on audio as I was driving uh, to Amy Poehler's book, Yes, Please. And I had read it in part because it was referenced in the burnout book that I love, the Nagoski Burnout, The Secret of Unlocking the Stress Cycle. Um, and Amy Poehler's book, especially the audio book, does really fun things with um, different voices. She brings in different people and the voice of sort of her inner mad woman is, uh, voiced by Kathleen Turner. And I wanted to hear that. And unfortunately it was at the beginning. I mean, fortunately or not, I mean, I really liked it, but, <coughs> but I did not love Amy Poehler's memoir. 
Um, and I like Amy Poehler a whole lot. And I came away not liking her as much, which I find interesting because I think she really wanted to come across as very funny and charming. And she spends a lot of time talking about how hard it is to write a book. I think she really hated writing this book. Um, I don't think that's even just my opinion. I think she makes it clear she hated writing this book. The other was reason I wanted to read it was because I'd read Bossy Pants by Tina Fey. And I really loved that. And I think that some of the difference is that willing to to dig in and analyze oneself, to take a step back and look at who you are and why you were doing the things you were doing. Uh, I think Tina Fey was more willing to do that. Amy Poehler, um, like when she talks about her divorce and stuff in the book, she says um, that she's not going to talk about it in detail because she doesn't like people knowing her shit, which totally understandable, but then you don't write a memoir. <laughs> Because <laughs> a memoir is about people knowing your shit. Uh, and if you leave it out, it ends up being kind of flat. So uh, I've been meaning to talk about that book for a while. In fact, I'd had it on my little list of notes of things to talk about. But it's interesting talking about it in light of Cat's Eye. Because Cat's Eye is considered to be Margaret Atwood's most autobiographical novel. Um which is to say it is not a memoir. It is a novel. She does fictionalize extensively, but there is a lot of resonance um, with her personal life and with, we don't know how much of the events of her own childhood, but uh, I tend to believe it's true that she's drawing on real experiences and possibly real experiences as a young woman. Um, you know, it's interesting for women to look back on affairs that they had with older men. Uh, for instance, I, when I was 22, yeah, 22, I dated a guy who was 40 and I, he's the one I refer to as the great mistake. And you guys could see it, you know, like on the, am I the asshole Reddit threads and so forth. You know, when, whenever there's a weird relationship dynamic and people are, and it turns out that like it's an, a guy who is 10, 15 years older than the young woman. People are like, you know, honey, when you're in it at the time, you don't realize how much that power dynamic is working and how destructive it is. And that relationship was not good for me. Um, he was controlling in all kinds of ways. And there are a couple of reasons why men who are 35, 40, date women 15 years or more their junior. Um, one, cute nubile. I mean, and, and they, they can get them. And it's like the first time in their lives maybe that they can get the adorable 18 to 22-year-old woman. But also, they can control her in a way that they cannot control women their own age. And you don't know it when you're a young woman. You just... You think that you're on top of everything. And then when you are older, when you are 40 and you look back and you think, oh my God, why did I put up? Why did I let him do all of that shit? And it's because you don't know better. And so she does a nice job in Cat's Eye of showing that reflection of realizing who this guy was, because I'm sorry, I'm, there are probably exceptions out there, but 
a guy who is 35, 40 and dating a woman who's 20. Well, let's just go ahead and go with that. He's, he's messed up in some way. He's just not, he doesn't have his shit together. And that's another thing is that they can disguise it from the younger woman. Uh, and so she did a nice job of looking back and seeing that, um, that really this guy was pretty deeply messed up and that he, the way he handled things with her and that he was sleeping with her in the first place. And she was his student. I mean, there was all kinds of wrong. Um, so I do think that it's a brilliant book that way. Um, it did hold up very well on the reread. I saw all kinds of things in it that I did not see. So it's interesting. There's this same dichotomy, right? I read it in my early twenties. I, I'm not sure exactly when, but somewhere in my early twenties and now I reading it in my mid fifties and the POV character is 50 and Margaret Atwood was about 50 when she wrote it. Uh, both hope and I did not grok why the POV character feels so old. Um, she, you know, she complains about all sorts of stuff, you know, like her failing eyesight and her gray hair and everything. And we, we don't have this. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, you know, you could always color your hair. Um, but there's a lot of depression involved too, I think. Uh, and she really explores that, you know, how these echoes of trauma sort of, well, I'm, I'm going to repeat, if I were editing, I would fix this, but uh, echo up through the years, how the, the ripples continue, even of things that she doesn't consciously remember as an adult, although they come out in her work. Um, Hope you asked me if I'd got to the part where she was uh, helping her sick mother and she finds the person stuff. I'm curious what point you wanted to make about that. Um, maybe about the remembering and being aware. Uh, the one thing, one of the things I did not like about the book was I did not like the, uh, the whole thing with her brother, Stephen. I thought that that was a weird throwaway. Her brother, um, she has her brother be on one of those hijacked planes, um, which that used to happen more often and that he's killed when he's on that plane that they like forced to land and they were trying to use it to, you know, rescue hostages or something. Prisoner exchange of some sort and her brother gets killed. And I thought, I thought that served no purpose in the book. Um, it felt like a literary device to add some kind of angst or trauma at the end that I felt like was kind of pointless. I, I'm not sure why she did it. And I looked up Margaret Atwood and she does have a brother who's very like the brother in the book, uh, like some sort of astrophysicist type, but, um, or neuroscience type, something like that. Uh, but he appears to be alive and well and not killed by hijackers. So I don't know if there was like some sort of passive aggressive, I'm going to kill my brother <laughs> thing or what. Um, but I thought it served no purpose in the book other than that there was a really cool painting that went with it. You know, I was like, yeah, I, I just didn't think there was a point. Um, and I'd commented to hope that I thought it was weird that there are characters who are incredibly vivid. Most of the characters are incredibly vivid, very crisp. Um, Margaret Atwood's trademark. And yet the family is kind of vague, you know, like you don't really ever get to know the mother or the father. And, and they're very much based on Atwood's real life parents. And I don't know if she felt like she had to 
step back from that or something. Um, and I just didn't understand the brother's distance in their adult lives. Like he gets married and sends a postcard and then a few years later gets divorced and sends another postcard. And I didn't understand why she made that choice. Uh, but interestingly, I thought that there were a couple of early threads in the book that she never circled back to. She never quite tied up. She never comes back to the current husband. Um, and I felt like that was a miss. And this is my writer analytical brain, but it was like, it was like she forgot to put the rolls on the dinner table. So it's a good reminder for me that it's actually okay that everyone will still enjoy the meal, even if you forget to put the rolls on the dinner table, which was always my mother's trick, right, mom? She'd leave them in the oven and they'd burn. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's it for me today. Oh, hope that you all have a wonderful week and uh, finish out January with a bang. Already the end of January. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.